Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Prevention Connection. This is the podcast where we talk to people in and around Jefferson County about topics related to alcohol, tobacco, and other drug misuse and prevention. I'm Emmy Reiner, the host of this podcast, and today we have with us um, Maureen Busalaki, and she is the director of the Wisconsin Alcohol Policy Project of the Comprehensive Injury Center at the Medical College of Wisconsin. So I'm really pleased to have you here with me, Maureen. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. So um, we're recording in March, but we're going to um, hopefully have this available in April. And every April, I try to have some um, a campaign or some more information to, for people about alcohol use because it's Alcohol Use Awareness Month. So um, I thought we would focus on that. And since that's your area of expertise, it's really perfect. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of reports coming out um, recently about, you know, alcohol use during the pandemic and things like that. So and um, but I just thought, Maureen, I just ask you just generally, you know, why do we always have to keep our pulse on this topic in Wisconsin? just seems like it's not just during the pandemic. It's like we always are constantly working on it. Yes. Um, so if you look at the trend lines for what's happened in Wisconsin in the last decade plus, we can see that the state legislature has um, opened up availability and accessibility um, in incremental ways. And we've also seen our own excessive um, use of alcohol trend also go up, which also unfortunately also mirrors the death rate from excessive use of alcohol. So we've got all these, you know, like pieces. Um, so every time um, a local government or the state government decides to open up more alcohol outlets um, to make it easier to get, easier to buy, and keeping it inexpensive, uh, we, you know, tend to, as I guess, take advantage of that. Um, and then people are drinking to excess. So when I say excessive alcohol use, I want to make sure that folks are clear what I mean by that. So that means binge drinking, which is four to five drinks um, per occasion, heavy drinking, which is essentially one or two drinks a day. And then any drinking by those younger than 21 or by those who are pregnant. So it's those four pieces that go into it. What I find fascinating is that 89% of people who drink to excess do not have an alcohol use disorder. So it always takes me a hot minute to get my head around that. So what I'm saying is these are things that we can work on and control. We definitely make sure that people who have an alcohol use disorder or substance use disorder get the treatment and support and help that they need. But we're talking about um, you know, a large percentage of people that are drinking to excess and it's harming them, their health, their families, their employers. Um, by the, you know, what happens, right? So there's operating while intoxicated, you know, so out there um, driving, you know, while intoxicated is dangerous. 
Um, we've got assaults, batteries, violence that's happening. Half of the suicide victims in Wisconsin have alcohol in their system. We know that alcohol and um, using other drugs and opioids is pretty common. And we find those who die of a fatal overdose often have alcohol in their system. And it's often the first drug they've ever used. So it's, you know, so we need to do a lot more in Wisconsin. And the good news is we can't. There are things that we can do um, to reduce excessive alcohol use. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when you say excessive alcohol use, um, you mentioned one or two drinks a day is even considered um, excessive alcohol use. Isn't that right? Yes. So that's considered yes. heavy drinking. Heavy drinking. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that puts a lot of people, you know, in that category, but it's, uh, it doesn't mean that that person has an alcohol use disorder, like you were saying, but, um, you know, that that is still considered, you know, that does put someone at risk for different types of, um, you know, just other problems um, related to that, you know, um, you know, like, let's say they're driving, or they're gonna go to work or something like that. Um, So I think that's, that's good to kind of point out the differences between the binge drinking that we're always talking about. um, And then the excessive drinking that also causes a lot of you know, problems for people and has societal impacts as well, like you were saying. Um, but yeah, so there are things that our communities can do. And um, some people don't realize that it's kind of going on behind the scenes. But, you know, just even looking at like the um, alcohol outlets in our community and, um, you know, because I, I feel like because Wisconsin doesn't have a statewide like alcohol control board that regulates alcohol and bars. Um, or, or retail, um, you know, it's really a lot of that um, power rests on local municipal government. Um, and so really, um, like one of the not simplest ways, but, you know, one way to decrease the supply is to, through, you know, decreasing the outlet density. For sure. There's um, 1,847 or 48 local governments that regulate alcohol in our state. So the state of Wisconsin has control over certain things, but on the local level, you're absolutely right. You can look at, and you can even pause your um, process for new licenses while you take a breath as a community and look at where are your alcohol outlets? What kind do you have? Are they near things that would make you concerned, like schools or churches, um, or where you have a lot of community events, for example? And um, you can then, as a community, come up with a vision for how you want the community to act um, and things that you want to change. Some things are, you know, with picnic licenses, for example, um, you know, where you are allowing alcohol. As a community, you know, they have to apply for those and you can um, regulate those so that um, it doesn't cause more chaos or frankly, a lot of um, overconsumption or underage consumption of alcohol. 
Um, underage is really important to make sure that you're on top of that. Um, we find that um, kids that start drinking um, can often, it can lead to an addiction later on in life. Um, and not just alcohol, but we're all concerned about the opioid epidemic that we're having. And that is something that can be helpful if we can make sure that kids aren't experimenting or trying alcohol. We also know that if they binge drink, even not that frequently, that can develop harm the development of their brain. Um, and then having some regular alcohol obviously does the same thing. So there's a lot to watch there. So making sure community events are regulated, that there's fencing, you're only letting those who are 21 or older in, and if they're carefully checking IDs um, is a really important part of that process. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, that's something that we're going to try to look into um, this year with the fair park events. Yes. You know, especially the county fair, since I work at the county, um, we can at least, you know, find some partners there. Um, so hoping to see what is, you know, going on there, because I think um, I just was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking um, sometimes they have volunteers um, pour the beer from those vendor stands and, um, you know, it'd just be interesting if they actually are volunteers or if they're paid or if they go through have to go through the same um, like bartender training that other bartenders would have to go through um, and, you know, how, if they know how to check for ID and um, look for specific, you know, diff different IDs look so different now. And, um, and just like you're saying, um, it's best practice to have the wristbands if you're 21 and to have a certain area where people can drink. And so there's, there's so many things that, um, communities can do yes um and is that what you mean by picnic license like more yes. of those temporary licenses for um i guess you call it like events yes um, gar beer gardens or something right and you can also um regulate to make sure that the alcohol that is served is in a standard drink portion you know so not those gigantic cups but you know that you keep the ounces correct for, you know, whatever type of wine, beer, or spirits that you're allowing to be sold. Um, so that makes it a lot easier on the folks who are serving it so that they don't have to guess. Um, oh, yeah. That can be part of a requirement that just makes it easier to make sure that you're just giving someone the standard drink. Um, and then it's not legal to um, serve somebody who's already intoxicated. So making oh, right. sure the volunteers know um, that as well as, of course, our licensed establishments um, know that they, they, you know, they can't serve to someone who's already intoxicated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think that that's a really good point because sometimes people don't know how to tell if someone's intoxicated, but to give them the, you know, to empower them to say that they they can um, definitely refuse to keep serving someone and that you know, state is completely fine. Um, so I know that our coalition, we're, we're getting ready to do some compliance checks and people don't know always what that is, but we 
Um, we actually have been doing um, alcohol purchase surveys. So we, we actually go out with um, people who are at least 21 and see if, you know, the stores, how they're doing in terms of carting a younger looking person. Um, but hopefully we're going to be doing um, actual checks that involve um, someone under 21 serving as a decoy and then working with some law enforcement to um, see if we can um, just do a little bit more education where you're not trying to um, do a lot of enforcement so much, but just um, to really um, get an idea of how the, the clerks are doing and that the stores are doing. Um, but that's, that's also considered a best practice for communities too, correct? Yeah, absolutely. That's an excellent thing to do. It's good to do it um, on a regular basis so that you keep, um, you know, everybody aware, right? And, and on their toes in terms of making sure that they're checking those IDs carefully and that when it rings up minor that you don't sell, right? Um, mm -hmm. So making sure that, you know, I mean, the better answer is to not sell to someone that you might think is underage than to sell to them, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, because there's a lot of, lot of um, problems that happen with that. And it also sends a message in the community that your community believes that this is an important value and that you care about you know, kids and families, um, and, you know, want to make sure that the laws are being abided by. So it's really great to hear that you've got that relationship with law enforcement, um, and, you know, can work in that way to ensure that the laws on the books are being followed. Yeah, I was, um, we're still in the talks with that, but we're, I think we are going, we're headed in that direction this year. So that's, that's really helpful. But um, I, I really can't think of any community that wouldn't want to do it because even if you thought you're, you know, that you have pretty good compliance. I mean, how would you know unless you you are actually doing them, you know? So I, I just feel like every community should do it. It's, um, but so as far as yeah, underage drinking, that's kind of our coalition's focus. But you know, we also work on just trying to prevent general misuse of alcohol. And, in the overall population as well. But, um, you know, we're kind of waiting for some of our youth data to come out, um, but some schools have done some other, you know, um, other surveys and they are finding out that, um, I think, you know, drinking is lower than the use of like e-cigarettes and vaping devices I get now, but, um, I, I think, well, no, I have to, no, I have to check my dad on that. But I mean, overall drinking, underage drinking has gone down, right? Um, in the last 20 years or so, but it's still pretty prevalent. Um, yep, that's true. So, you know, I guess it'll be interesting to see with our county level data with um, the youth survey um, where we stand on that. Um, but what, what is true is, you know, they, they ask the youth about, um, do they think their parents think it's harmful, you know, and I think the perceived, um, their perception is that their parents don't think alcohol is as harmful as um, other drugs. And I think when their parents were probably growing up, it wasn't known as well as it is now. There's a lot more research that's showing 
um, <clears throat> you know, the harm to the brain in particular for adolescents is really critical. Um, and, you know, we find that in other places, we've seen some of the data showing, you know, athletics can be a protective factor, meaning that they're mm -hmm. less likely to drink, especially if there's good athletic codes. But we also see that the older they get through high school, the more likely they are to use alcohol, even if they are in sports. So, so it can be really helpful like freshman and sophomore year, but then you really got to keep an eye on it and make sure that your athletic codes and your coaches and your athletic directors really enforce those to make it clear that that's not allowed, um, you know, and that they lose games, right? So um, yeah. I had a friend just telling me how um, their basketball team was going to state, but a junior was at a party where her mother gave her some alcohol and the athletic director was there and she didn't get to play state. Mm -hmm. So that sends a message to the school, the whole team, that it's not allowed and we're not kidding. Um, and those are important messages. Yeah, um, that really um, hits the point that we should work with the schools and um, you know, try to talk with athletic directors too about their codes of conduct and you know how they how they send those messages because they're really important. So um, uh, that's really important. And and it was also and talking to the parents as well um, about you know why it's important not to supply alcohol to um, kids that are coming over. Or just allowing it to happen, kind of looking the other way. And um, I think, you know, even if they drank um, when they were younger and they feel like it all turned out, I mean, just to let them know that um, there's just a lot more information about alcohol use in the brain. And I think that that kind of uh, those messages just need to get repeated over and over again. But um, but I mean, just the fact that underage alcohol use is going has gone down um, is I think that really tells us that yeah I think our messages have been working. Yeah, I mean we're still above the national average in Wisconsin, but it has gone down like the national trend has been going down. Um, but we still have work to do, um, and in other areas, Wisconsin unfortunately is dead last in terms of. The amount of excessive drinking, and I mean in the wrong way, right? <laughs> um, so we have the highest excessive alcohol use in the country. Um, 41 of our uh, 50 counties across the nation, 41 of those with the highest excessive use rates are in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. And every county in our state is higher than the national average by quite a bit. Um, okay, yeah. Um, well, the national average for excessive drinking was 17.6% I have, and then Jefferson County was at 28% in 2021. And that was according to the county health rankings. So does that seem right to you? That seems really high. I mean, that seems a lot higher than the national it is for excessive drinking. Every county in our state is um, above the national average, unfortunately. Okay. So, 
And one of the messages I think, you know, while we're, we're moving in the right direction on our underage drinking, and that's mm-hmm. great. You can't expect that our kids aren't going to look at the environment mm-hmm. and react to that. Um, I mean, people have told me about how there's um, parades where they have kegs on a float and they throw red solo cups out to people and they run up to the float and grab beer. Well, what does that tell your kids? Like you can't even go to a parade, um, you know, without alcohol. Um, so it's it's just, you know, our culture is um, really kind of looks at this the wrong way. There's so many things that we can do happily um, without alcohol being at every corner. Um, and and so that's an important um, factor to look at as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, just another example of the uh, aggressive alcohol culture is um, you probably saw the the email about um, the but you know the I guess it's like alcohol ads that were on the one of the expo centers where a lot of the sports youth sports events were going on, and I was I was there this weekend too, and they must have been they must have uh, maybe the alcohol um, beer company they might have helped fund that center because it was was fairly new, but it was all over the inside too, <laughs> um, the advertising, you know, because they had um, they had those screens where they would rotate, you know, different ads, but that one was, you know, one of the seven that was regularly. And, you know, sometimes they'd be all up at the same time. So you'd see them like all, you know, they were timed. So anyways, it, but luckily um, what I, I have seen at some sports events is where they actually sell beer to parents. Um, and, you know, they, they will serve them in those metal um, containers that look like beer bottles. So they're, you know, they're not breakable, but it's still <laughs> really obvious. And um, I, I just feel like, wow, if, you know, we have to get away from that um, feeling that you can't want, you can't go to a, a sports event for a few hours, you know, without drinking. Especially youth sports. You know, there's really no place for alcohol at youth sports events. Um, you know, it sends the wrong message. Um, and I think it's just important to to really back away from that, um, you know, in everywhere in our state. Um, yeah, I know the WIA girls basketball had a giant bud sign um, outside. And, you know, there were some complaints that went to those officials and they did get that taken down. But, you know, the idea that that's even okay. So I'm dismayed to hear about the electronic signs and that, you know, because it's expressed in WIA's policy that there should not be any alcohol advertising. Um, So that's, you know, a big concern. Um, And, you know, there's other ways to raise money if people need to raise money to, you know, have the baseball fields or, you know, whatever kinds of events. Um, you can get creative um, and and do that, but there's the money that they're not spending on beer. You can um, work to have them spend it on helping you know the youth sports move forward. 
So it's not a zero sum yeah. game, right? There's other ways. Yes, there are other ways. Um, and yeah, I think WAA is pretty strict on that. And I, I can't, I mean, we weren't at a WAA sponsored event, but it was still like a club sport. So um, still, um, yeah, there, there's just so much in Wisconsin culture. I just know a lot of people who came from outside the state and moved to Wisconsin and, you know, just are just cannot believe um, how much alcohol use there is, you know, at different social events. And um, so that's, it's just a different culture, but um, I was looking at some old newspaper articles because I think a couple of years ago, they, were, they did a big write-up here in Jefferson County about the history of breweries and alcohol. And um, here in Jefferson, you know, it was kind of the hub of beer brewing and, um, you know, during the, I don't know if it was 18, late 1800s, they said that Jefferson produced 2000 barrels of beer a year. Um, and then, you know, they, they went on to talk about, you know, during prohibition, some of the, the breweries had to change into like, um, like little ice cream shops and things like that. But then, um, you know, the, there were still illegal stills that were going on. And I guess they found a really, really big one um, in Helenville in 1933. So anyways, um, the local reporter did like a big series about alcohol and prohibition. It was very interesting. <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, similar to a lot of communities. It's um, a lot of like German heritage. Right. And um... I think, you know, understanding prohibition really wasn't the right answer. Um, and so there's a way that we can, you know, Wisconsin didn't get here overnight, being the worst in the nation for our excessive alcohol use. Um, and, but we have the tools to make the change and to kind of bring things back to a much more reasonable level. Um, and it, I think it's hard when you're just surrounded by it to realize that this is not normal. Um, and, and it's actually, you know, very unhealthy in many ways. We now know that it, alcohol use and heavy drinking are tied to seven kinds of cancer. And I don't think a lot of people realize that alcohol use, regular alcohol use like that can cause cancer. And so that should be, and including breast cancer, um, you know, through the digestive tract. Um, so people should really be thinking about those things and, you know, making sure that, sure, it's fine to have a drink with friends, but um, when you start binging and having eight or nine, that's a real problem um, on many levels. And that those are the average drinks that we have when folks are binging here in Wisconsin. So we can, you know, make some of these changes without harming people who are, you know, drinking lightly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there there is a lot of research out there um, about the link between alcohol use and cancers, um, and uh, maybe we can provide a link to that on our blog about what um, what people can do to prevent, um, you know, just chronic illnesses due to drinking, and what what some of the 
studies show that you know alcohol use is linked to because I think that wasn't that wasn't information that was out oh, like 10 years ago it was that was um kind of fairly new it is um you know the figuring all of that out the other thing we're seeing um you know we're associated with freighter hospital and they've looked at their records and they are seeing more young women mm -hmm. um needing uh liver transplants uh and i mean women in their 30s so there's you know, this culture of um, women are starting to drink heavily um, as well, and it's definitely harming their health. So it's it's something where you need to know what those guidelines are and you need to stay, you know, within those guidelines. Um, and Maureen, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if I saw that same, same study, but, um, or those studies, but it wasn't like um, necessarily like chronic use of alcohol, but it could be like um, sort of excessive use of alcohol in a short time period that can really like yes. permanently damage your liver. So binge drinking can can do that, especially if you binge drink, you know, um, on a somewhat frequent basis, it can be very harmful for your health. So not only the impact of that on you, um, you know, and the aftermath um, can potentially lead to a lot of accidents and crashes and unintentional injuries, but um, it can harm your health over time as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, this is, um, so it'll be really interesting to see what, um, the aftermath of all this is with the pandemic and people drinking at home and you know there's a lot of reports showing that you know alcohol sales are really have increased a lot I mean obviously because people don't go to bars and they drink at home but even more so um seems like people are turning to alcohol use through the like stressful times so yes. hopefully um you know, it will not lead to a lot of problems. Well, it, it already has, um, you know, in the pandemic, we saw a real big increase in alcohol induced death. So that means the liver mm -hmm. neurological and alcohol poisoning, we saw a 25% increase um, in one year. And, you know, since we already had high rates, um, that, it's a lot of people um, yeah. who were in trouble with that. So I think you're right. As, as we get out of this, um, hopefully we can also kind of work with um, local communities and educate folks on how to bring that back down to a more normal level, or in some cases, maybe just abstain if that, you know, especially if you have an alcohol use disorder, that might be the right choice. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Maureen, um, for being on today. You touched on a lot of really great topics, um, had some really good, um, you know, just tips for communities and for parents and, you know, schools, um, a little bit of everything, which I really appreciate. And I know you're um, the Medical College of Wisconsin and where your office is housed um, 
you do a lot of research and then provide, you know, the technical assistance to coalitions like ours um, to kind of move our policies and programs forward. So I always really appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you. It's um, our pleasure. It's great to see communities empowered to make positive change. Yeah, so I've, I know I've used your office uh, several times for information um, about things that are going on. But um, we usually have a little blog and we post um, some links or references that people can go to. And so um, I'll definitely link to your website has a lot of really great information too, but um, any other links that maybe you would recommend for people to see that would be really, um, you could share those with me and I could post those up as well. For sure. Um, so thank you so much as we, um, you know, are in April for alcohol use awareness month. I hope people um, can, you know, just know about how to either get help for themselves um, if they either have an alcohol use disorder or, you know, learn how to maybe talk to their kids about alcohol use or, you know, work with their coalition or, you know, if they're a policymaker, you don't um, consider um, looking at ways that they can, you know, decrease, um, you know, access to alcohol use for, you know, teens or, you know, just working with our coalition in some way, that would be really helpful. Because um, we have so many different um, initiatives that we want to move forward, including like the alcohol outlet density and you know, removing ads and things like that. That's all. There's just so much to work on, you know, all the time. There is, there is. Um, but every step forward is a step forward. So it's all right. It's a step in the right direction. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maureen. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. For information and resources mentioned on this podcast, go to our website at jeffcodrugfree.org.